0: I was out one couple of weeks ago, I think it was, and I think it was Johnny Lawson He said, oh, he needs to go out on this podcast. And you were drunk and you agreed. What? Was. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the podcast chats. And today we've got a very, very special guest. Tracy Bowman, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for the head of it.
0: So it's been it's been quite a while since we have been trying to get you on,
1: hasn't it? Yes. Busy. Very much so. Yeah, I'm very busy. So much going on, two businesses.
0: As then I was out one a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. And I think it was joint Lawson, who said, Oh, I need to go out on this podcast. Yeah. And you were drunk and you agreed. <laughs> was. <laughs> okay. So and I a message that, it, you Yeah, not it, mind. It it. It's all good. So um what we're gonna do is get you to introduce yourself to the you is called I introduce yourself to someone if you meet them for the first time. Okay. How many do you do so, that?
1: So, hi, my name is Bowman. I am the owner of the Andalusian Carlisle Antarctica Farm Holiday Cottages in Castle
0: Kemet. And then I prepped you with the three facts.
1: Yeah. I think you've told me some already, hasn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go over it. So number one, I speak Greek fluently. I lived in Greece when I was just before my eighteenth birthday I moved over um on a whim, went to live out there. It Took me about six months to pick up the language. I listen well to speak it, I listened all the time and I'd get words in my brain, put them in my brain. And then about six months in I felt confident enough to actually speak Greek. So um and I lived out there for you nearly know, three years just nannying and about our work and anything that it took to kind of survive in our country and great times. Um and that so I haven't been back to Greece very often. Um and I'm now keeping up with all my Greek on Duolingo. Do that every morning for ten minutes. And if I see any Greek people anywhere I talk Greek to them. Particularly the Greeks down the Alexandros. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah. I
0: was gonna say, have you been back since in between I mean, back in
1: the- Um, I haven't been probably for about fifteen years. And so we're planning to go this year because it's such a beautiful place and it's such a lovely language and the people are amazing. I know when I'm there, it just flows and you just, every every word that's in there just comes out, so it's fantastic to do.
0: It's so cool, like, of the language, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's very difficult, Um Greek particularly, because it's... um the alphabet's very different so it's like russian sure. but i can read it thankfully so on my duolingo app how anybody learns from scratch i've got no idea because i can read it i can't write it but i can read it so yeah it's been um it's just nice it's just nice. i'm sure it drives everyone else insane <laughs> da, 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 Ping. correct
0: yeah because my mum and dad are fluent in french and we always used to go back like pretty much every year when i was growing up and i used to think Oh, that's not cool. That's weird. But and then when you grow up, you realize how cool yeah. Used to go and the locals appreciate it as well. Yeah.
1: People love it if you can. And when I lived out there being blonde, people would never think you could speak it. They'd think you're a tourist. So, you know, you'd find somebody talking about you on the bus or something and I just, and they'd be like, oh God, not you click? <laughs> I understand everything you're saying. So it was a great asset to have, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a lovely language and. Food's amazing, so mm. hopefully this year, fingers crossed, find some time to go. on. I lived in Rhodes mainly, and a bit in coffee, cool and spent some time in Athens, so I'd like to go out and hit the Santorini on the coast.
0: Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. What was your favourite way you lived?
1: Rhodes, I think Rhodes. I was there for a long time um, near the old town, so and that's just beautiful and nice people, oh. and it, nice a nice way of living. Mm. Any you, you know, Yeah, it's a good, it's a good ride. I thankfully didn't get stuck out there, as a lot of girls do marry a group boy and. Yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> had a bigger life. Yeah. but yeah, it's nice to go back. Cool. And it's cool. Then, what was the second one? The second one is that I am vegan. Here. I've been vegan for just over four years. I be I was vegetarian, kind of pescatarian for twenty five years before that. Um, I was traveling around the world and as I got more into kind of Asia, eventually in India, became total vegetarian just because um, there were so many problems with eating meat and fish out there. And I just found it was absolutely amazing for my body. Really I had so much energy, lost weight. My body just worked amazingly well. So, it, So I was like that for 25 years. And then I was watching veganism quite a bit and wasn't sure if I could cope without butter because I like butter. <laughs> okay. that, was a, that was me. Butter was the thing. I love butter on jacket potatoes and stuff. So I kind of thought, I'm not sure if I can do it, I'll try it one January when they do Veganuary. Yeah. And I loved it. My um energy was off the scale again. I ran the Great North Run with no training. I had not done one run. I did it in under three hours. Um, I did the Macmillan, um, Ullswater way mighty hike, hmm. 26.2 miles, no training, did that in 11 hours. And yeah. if you ask anybody who knows me, my energy is just crazy for someone my age. So it works for me. doesn't work for everybody. You know, I do still wear leather. Um, I've no problem with anybody else eating meat. I obviously make a living selling meat dish- dishes and fish dishes. But I do believe it's up to everybody else, you know, what you want to put in your body. But I'm a massive animal lover, and so I am quite grateful that I don't eat wheat and have animal products. But I have no problem in what anyone else does. It's up to them. So it's, it's a nice way to live, and I eat amazing food.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting, I suppose. You said you, you were the, um, vegetarian for 25 years before. Yeah. What made you make that switch? Was it just literally going traveling and it was harder to eat the meat or was yeah. it right beforehand?
1: No, it was, it was, cause I did, I did quite like meat, but it was once you got into India, you just, it wasn't good to eat meat. I mean, the, the butchers, there was no the refrigeration. There were carcasses hanging up with flies on them and people that I was traveling around or with, they, excuse me, they, um, were all dropping like flies of dysentery. I didn't get anything. So, you know, I just felt it was better. And that was the only... If I hadn't have tried that, I would have never realised how good it was for me not to eat meat, so, and how great my body worked without it. Um, but yeah, that was the only reason, really. You know, and I don't think I could ever go back and eat meat now. Just probably wouldn't like the taste of it. Or. That's
0: interesting, because... How- like at a mansion, do people ever ask you, would you ever eat meat again or would you ever go back and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, they do. And I'm a person that's never says never, so I'll never restrict myself by saying I'll never eat anything. Um, I always say if I fancy an egg, I've got my own chickens, so I would have one of their eggs, but I haven't fancied an egg. Hmm. Also, if I went to someone's house and they gave me something and then suddenly said, oh, my God, there was some butter in that or there was some dairy in that. Um, I would be okay with that if there was meat. I would know there was meat in there. So, but sometimes if someone's made something and they've just got a bit of in rather than oil, um, so I'm not, I'm not allergic to anything. Mm. I can't imagine myself eating it, but I never say never. Yeah,
0: because that just reminds me of because I haven't drank alcohol in like in three years. What? I never always ask, can you get drunk? <laughs> <laughs> And then people always ask me, oh, are you ever going to drink alcohol again? And I always say to people, like you said, never say never, but it would be weird for me to start drinking again because I've done it for so long. It's just in the routine, I imagine you? are on the routine of just buying or growing your vegan diet where I'm like, I'll just have a Diet Coke or something like that. Does that bother you that that's on? That's okay. So they go. And then... The third one what was the third one the
1: third one is i have to kind of get me, the notes out get their notes, <laughs> get their notes.
0: like i said I most people don't prepare yeah
1: <laughs> i did it this morning so i'm a trained nursery nurse and so that's what i did when i left college and people always um are so shocked that i want to say that i'm a trained nursery nurse because obviously i don't have anything to do with children i don't have my own children yeah. But trained nursery nurse and I was also a maternity nurse, so sort of looking after newborn babies for, for very wealthy people, you know, and, um, yeah, and I used to love children and, well, I still do love children. Um, but, um, I didn't actually, I didn't actually work as a nursery nurse in need, so, which was quite nice.
0: Showed parts of the world as well, which is good. Suppose you look after people in different ways now, don't you? In here or other cottages? Yeah. Different forms, but. Yeah. So what way do you want to do that and get trained in that in the first place?
1: I think when I was at school, um, it was just something I fancied doing. I don't think at 16, you're old enough for me to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. And my parents um, and all our kind of families all had their own businesses. So I kind of didn't know of things like lawyers, accountants, solicitors, other professions. They just kind of weren't in our remit you know because all we were all like bakers and butchers and milkmen and taxi drivers and that kind of thing so it wasn't ever that i i didn't ever kind of you know come across those kind of of uh roles that i might want to go into so and yeah it just i like children so there's
0: how did you find it then
1: too easy too easy yeah i was um it was a two-year course could have done it in a year. I used to get very frustrated and um, annoyed that we couldn't cram this into a new year and get on with it. So, sure. But nannying was great. I mean, nannying and, and nannied all over the place in America. Um, did a lot in south of France, um, London. Looked after some amazing children. who I'm still in Ennswick now. Got their own children. She was there. So, <laughs> yeah, I've got some that I'm still really in contact with, which is really nice. So... It gave me a different, um, learning a different way of living with different people that had different lifestyles. And it's quite amazing, really.
0: Yeah. It How did you get them kind of job sent? Did you just like apply?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Often applied. Um, when I was nannying, um, I got a really good job through a friend of a friend. Um, and that was probably one of my biggest nanny jobs who I'm still from with the kids. Are. Um, Once I was maternity nursing, it was, and I did black my way into maternity nursing (laughs) because babies are babies, Um, I kept getting recommended because you do like a six-week stint, and then you hand back this baby who is doing this and doing that and saying, I'm going now, work six days a week, 24 hours a day, and your baby's now sleeping, or this is its routine kind of thing. So, yeah, it was quite nice. And I think I only ever had one baby that didn't sleep through the night by the time that had to come back? So really, there were many nights of sick and up all night and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was nice. It was nice to do. And again, lots of life experiences. Just go to Yeah. See, living with different people, you know, aristocrats, um, very wealthy people, fashion designers, um, just very different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great to, to see that and to be part of that. But just-
0: Expose yourself, like you say, to different people or life subjects. You made as well to really open yeah. your eyes and, and see how about really, it
1: really did. You know, and I would go out and eat in places that I would never have gone with my family in Yorkshire. So and got t- taken to the most amazing places all over the world. Really, so it was it was fantastic. Very cool.
0: So what we're gonna do next is then go back to a little Tracy. What you were like growing up. So any like first memories or anything you were like. Growing up in school and really now if you're reflecting on those younger years, how's that kind of like shaped you or makes sense more like how you want to do you are today? Okay. What were you like then growing up?
1: Um, my mum would say I was a nightmare. <laughs> I'm a Neo, a typical Neo, <laughs> and we laugh about it all the time. That I was literally born singing Life is a cabaret old chump. Came out like with you were jazz at Jazz Park. All, all the time. We were laughing about it this weekend because my mum was here. Stars. And, um, dad always says, if I'd have been born first, I'd have been an only child, which would have very much suited me. But anyway, I have an older sister, so. <laughs> you got
0: all the attention I did.
1: Well, I think I demanded it. That was it. I just came out and I was a big favorite. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I was a big baby, so I never looked like a newborn. So mum mm. and everybody used to come and have a look and say, well, I'm looking at your baby. So it's <laughs> like a three different <laughs> old So yeah, so um very lucky because um parents are still with me very much in love, born very much of love, which I think really makes children very solid. I don't think you realise it when you're young how much an impact that has because you were born of love and you were protected like that. You still I still am. If anything happened, mum will say you come home. Which I think really defines people. And I think people today who don't have that, it must be quite hard to, to be so stable. I, th- I think it must be hard. I mean, I've never experienced it, but mm. I am lucky. Um,
0: a lot of people do mention that on the podcast. Like I came from a stable family. My mum and I are still together now, which I think I'm very lucky at a lot of people I like, talk to. They say that has impacted them, like having the split parents at a young age and not really understanding it and that it makes sense now.
1: Uh, and blended families, you know, that affects children because, you know, they're living with their dad and they have to go home, but then come into the family and that kind of thing, it's quite, it must be.
0: For yeah, I can't even imagine what i like.
1: No, I can't. And I'm nearly 55, you know, and I think it must be a tough one. But so I, I know I was very, very lucky with that Um loved life, loved school, right. loved to go to school, you know, never had a problem, socialized, talked, probably got turned off a lot for talking class. So I liked talking and I liked people. Um, we'd go on holiday um, and mum and dad would think, oh, where's she gone now? And I'd been it, you know, like one holiday in France. There I was down at the beach, sat with another family, talking to them, holding their baby, <laughs> you know, probably about the age of eight, conversing in pidgin English, you know, and, uh, so I, I, I've probably always been quite independent, very much do whatever I wanted to do and go off and do it. And, um, but my mum would always say, tells a funny story. People would come and say, oh, she's so lovely, she's such a good girl. Or if I'd been at someone's house, she's so well-behaved, so nice. And mum used to have to go, yes, yes, she is, thank you. And she said, I'd get you home and think. So I was a nightmare at home, demanding. <laughs>
0: <Weird>. <laughs> Well-behaved.
1: Like well-behaved. Like <laughs> Knew how to behave, yeah, she'd think, oh, she's horrible at home. So... It was quite comical. And mother and I did clash quite a lot, I think, because I was quite full on. But um Were you quite similar, do you reckon? No no, not at all. Not at all. I'm and I'm very like my dad. Um and I'm a bit of a daddy's girl, so it was probably Dad would let me do this. I'll tell my dad when he gets home and that kind of thing. So you know, but um but no, I did have a really nice childhood and we went lots of places and we trampled and did nice stuff you know we always went if not he if not um abroad we went in the uk and stuff so mm-hmm. always had nice holidays and nice memories and days out i think which are really important
0: Zed. what did you in, enjoy about school then was it like the academics or was it like the extracurricular or was it like just the socializing and that kind of thing
1: people friends didn't mind the work the schoolwork i found it quite easy i'm not and academic as such, but I was always capable, you know, my sister was probably more intelligent than me, more academic than me, whereas I was more into socializing, loved drama, loved English literature. Um, yeah, not particularly sporty at school. Um, you know, just wasn't that way inclined, but, um, but no, I just loved people and friends and I loved school. I loved going.
0: What did you want to be when you were growing up? A lot of people say, I don't know, if you're a boy, I want to like a footballer. Did you want to be like a Disney princess or did you have anything in mind that when you left school that you wanted to be or? I
1: don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought. I don't, I can't remember ever thinking something I wanted to be. Um, no, I know it's quite odd, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's to hear, yeah. I don't think so. Oh, then what's different? <laughs> I, I didn't
0: know what to think of a girl because I was like, yeah. I want to stay a football, when I was growing up and I was a boy, but... Yeah, so then, no, I
1: can't think of yeah. I it, I wanted to be... I think I was just quite happy with me.
0: Just plodding along and just going through school. That's interesting. Yeah. So then when you got to, like, 16, 18, what did you think was next? Was it going to, like, six followers at university or was it just go to college and get a job?
1: Yeah, it was go to college, Um but I knew that I would go travelling. Okay. So, um, went to college for two years. As soon as I'd finished my college course, I shot off and lived in Greece. So I was mm. there for then three years. Um, I think I came back once at, at, at that point, uh, in, in that three years, my parents came over as well and, and saw me and things. And we were in we contact all the time. Um, and then when I came back from there, that's when I started nannying. I thought, get a a job now and, um, and started nannying down in London. Um did some stints up in Yorkshire as well where I'm from and then I did the maternity nursing. Yeah. Um and then from that I decided I was going to go traveling around the world. So I saved up a lot of money. Um I did any extra jobs anywhere I could. I used I'm quite creative, so I used to like paint things and do arts and crafts and make gifts and stuff and sell them at craft fairs and Anything I could, I'd be painting till midnight in my bed, in my bed, painting lovely plant pots and I did all sorts, made all sorts of things and then, um, saved up enough money and went travelling around the world for nearly two years. True. So, um, so yeah, travelling around for two years. So
0: I was going to say, obviously leaving home, how old were you when you went to Greece and we 18?
1: I had my 18th birthday in Greece. So just. Yes. Just a, yeah, just before I was eighteen. Right?
0: That's a big leap, isn't it? Going away from home, I'd imagine. I on on your own.
1: In mum and right. mum and dad were on holiday, and they knew I was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they left me some money um, on the side for a flight. Mm. <laughs> <Didn't approach children. laughs> There's your flight, when see you, and that was it. Um, but that's me. I'm all, I've always been independent, so I yeah. just decided that was it. I was going, and um, and off I went. And
0: um, that's crazy. Was, was travel then something that you always wanted to do? I know you said you didn't have a job in mind that you wanted to do. Did you always want to go and see the world? Was that our thing? Yeah.
1: And if you think back then, um, because you're looking at, like, 35, well, 40 years ago, I'm, you know, there was no internet. You had no idea really what the big, wide world was like. You know, you read in books, you saw in films, but it wasn't as easily accessible as it is now. Um, And I'd been on holiday to Greece, um... With a friend and her parents, and I thought that's where I'll go. I saw a job, advertised um got the job, booked my flights and off I went and loved it, just loved him, and loved my time there, so I think that's just kind of person I am really just you know I moved my whole life from Leeds up here fifteen years ago and and I loved that as well, and so through I suppose it's just her Yeah, walls
0: then yeah new experiences so then when you saved up your money then to go traveling yeah so where did you want to go with that was it well in flew
1: up to australia because my auntie and uncle live out there so i actually spent a year in australia and did a bit of work but traveled all the way around bought a um um vw camper van and traveled all the way around um which was really good and a massive experience then did new zealand thailand singapore malaysia indonesia and then india so i didn't do the whole world but i did you know that Quite a bit. Coming back, and it was fantastic and just spent a, you know a good amount of time in each country getting the feel for it. everywhere i didn't really want to go to new zealand because i thought it's just going to be like england and australia but it was the most magical place it was you were just strunk on on scenery and it was just something else that mm. i had no idea what it was going to be like, but it was fantastic. Okay. Uh, and then obviously Thailand and Indonesia and Malaysia, all of those lovely Asian countries, just they were fantastic. Beautiful food and lovely memories created and places to see. You know, just just quite special, really. Staying in huts on beaches, living on ten pounds a day, it was great. In a but with a backpack and two pairs of trousers and a. Two t-shirts and a pair of clogs. That was yeah. it. it. was cool, simple, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. The best, the yeah. best. It was fantastic. And I think the other thing that it does, it gives you the feeling of not being, um, materialistic mm-hmm. and just being. And that's really good too. It's, it's a fantastic way to kind of know who you, you're about because you cope with not having things at all, you know, and, um, not having anything materialistic. It was great.
0: Yeah, feels like people over there just happy to be alive, hardly. Yeah. Care about like having the latest iPhone or all the signed t-shirts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you, you travel in by yourself? No,
1: no I was with a boyfriend at the time, um, and, um, yeah, with him and it was good fun. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, we were just good friends actually. Yeah. <laughs> taking it out of us. <laughs> yeah. So, but. Had yeah, exactly. You'd had enough of me, I'd had enough of him. <laughs> so we were a bit like um just good friends when we, you know. Mm. But you meet a lot of people. I don't think I would have gone on my own,
0: I was say, uh, but you do uh, meet a
1: lot of solo travellers. So we met a lot of people. Which Some people were going one way and some were going the others. And the one place that I really was quite apprehensive about going to was India because... Nobody would tell you fully what it was like, because I would always say, what's there? i like, what's there? Like, I did you know where we were going next. <clears throat> but India, people would say, you'll just have to go and see, or you'll have to experience it. I'm just thinking, oh, I got back on the
0: back I'm going to so, make it
1: out. I... Oh, and I'm a big animal lover as well. So I mm. thought, oh, if there's lots of cruelty and I, you know, I, I work code. Um, but actually it was in this magical place around yeah. just fantastic. It was untouched. In many ways, it, it, there's a lot of poverty as there's in a lot of places, but it was magical. And you can imagine it in the times when the British were there as well, they left such a big imprint, right? You're wrongly so, but they did live, leave a fantastic imprint. Um, it's just a, a beautiful place. a people were great, really nice. And so I did live in India. It was, it wasn't fighting at all. Out of have been it's magical. I've been, I have been since I went to a wedding probably about 20 years ago. But it was a lot more developed, yeah. um, which it has to be. Um, and I'm glad I saw it and lived it when I did because we was at this techno and, you know, everybody's got everything as we have here phones and laptops and everything's digital. So, but I say it was still, when I was at, it's very simple, which is really nice.
0: Cool. So, then when, when you, when did you decide to come back? Then?
1: Um, I was about, uh, well, I think I've done enough. I was ready to come home. Um, It's a funny thing. How long did you been? Two years. Two years. Most people do a year, so I did two years. But I think you get to the point where, particularly when you're travelling, you don't really have anywhere to just make your own beans on toast or anything like that. I was a bit tired of just, like, going out to eat all the time. And, you know, you just probably get to the point where you just... and. I wanted to see the greenness of England. It's very mm-hmm. old, isn't it? You know, you don't realise. And a and a pub. I wanted to see a pub mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And and eat English food. So, um, I knew then it was time to come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was lovely to come. Well, it was nice.
0: What was the plan next? Then, when you came here, would you thought of what you wanted to do? Or?
1: No idea. Absolutely no idea. And um just did a few odd jobs. Went worked for an agency. Did a few. um silver service jobs never done silver service in my life said i could did it and um then decided i was going to move back to leeds and um, and went back to Leeds, and then got a job doing marketing and started working for a friend um and that was when i started my journey into marketing but for a design agency did all the sales for them learned all about design um we did digital printing. Um, I ended up being a director of a company I was sense director of Badon Cooney Yeah. So that was kind of worked my way up. And mm. um, doing that Charlie really Night and
0: nothing. They was gonna say, did you enjoy doing that science theater yep
1: Yeah, sales I love. I was loved and um, you know, I'd have to come to big companies. I got some really brought some really big companies on board and um and and an experience but You know, your product, you know, how to sell, you just go for it. So it was good, really good. And, um, then I got headhunted to a business, um, a big restaurant actually, who was looking for somebody to do all their marketing events, PR. And I wanted to work less days. I just, I'd also set up a networking company, um, a business, just a little one called ladies at lunch. Which I'm going to relaunch in Carlisle actually this year.
0: That's cool. Um, yeah. It's a I, nice, good, good name,
1: that, not it? Yeah. yeah, and I've got a lovely logo which was designed from years ago, and we used to do it in um, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, yeah. Harrogate, and it was great. Female-only networking because men and women network differently. Yeah. It was really successful, but um and I continue, so I continued doing that, but only worked four days a week for oh. the big restaurant. Them. They were great because um I told them that I wanted exactly the kind of package I was on when I was a director of uh, the design company. So it was great because I managed to be able to do my networking and work for them. Worked for them for three years. Then met my husband, Barnaby, who's from up here, and moved up here within five months, but still commuted down to Leeds and did my job down there for about a year and a half. But then we bought this place, and so it was time to move or not to Kobe full-time.
0: Cleared. So then the networking company, was that the first you know, business venture on your own that you did then?
1: Yeah, I did it with a friend of mine down there, so we did it. It wasn't a massive money-making, it was more about getting business in for ourselves, you know, and um, making the contacts. Um, we just knew a lot of people, and we had some great fun doing these events, and Speaking and, um, just, it was great. It was just a great thing to do, you know, to bring all the business women of the city together and Leeds is a big city. So, and then obviously we did it in Harrogate and Liverpool and we worked quite closely with the Malmaison Hotel Group and they were brilliant with us. They really helped us. But once the recession hit in 2008, people just stopped putting money into networking and stuff that everyone just had to kind of couldn't be seen to be networking because they were letting people go and making people redundant. So we just decided to stop them for a bit um because of that. And then we never really did it again because I moved up here and she's down there. It was still very close and she's down there. So Did,
0: did you always want to have your own business room thing there? Because I know you said like your family growing up and supporters had their own stuff going on. Is that something that you'd always wanted to do?
1: No, not really. I don't think I ever really thought so. Um, and my dad always, you know, said it's a lot easier, Tracy, working for somebody else and having a wage because he'd obviously worked so hard. Um, we had a bakery, uh, my parents did in Leeds and, you know, long hours, knowing how hard it is to make money, have staff, look after everybody. Um, so not really until we came up here. I came up here and my husband bought this building and we opened the Andalusian and so that was really my first taste of having my own top of business. You know, I'd never run a business before, or didn't really know what I was doing but learnt on the job and As you have done throughout your career I know, like, <laughs> is, I can do it, I can do it
0: <laughs> So how did this come about then, the first time when you bought it then? So bought
1: it. Barnaby had seen this building, mm. he'd sold um, a business, he and his brother sold a business in Penrith and a building and decided that they wanted to go the separate ways. They had a carpet business. He decided he wanted to put his money into something else. Saw this building, absolutely loved it and said, I want to open a bar. Did have a business partner at the time who is a, um, who has bars in Carlisle um, and they were great friends. It didn't work out, unfortunately, as partnerships often don't. But, um, so it was he and I on our own. Um And eventually, um, I mean, we just made it what it was. You know, I just literally did have to learn as I went along. I realised, you know, by not opening every lunchtime, you were going to start making more money because less costs, and learning to buy better, all comes off your bottom line. And I must have, when I was working at the big Italian restaurant in Leeds, um, Which is a massive 300-seater restaurant that I did big shows for, um, I put big events on. I set up this thing called BB Showtime. I think when I left, we were doing 113 events a year when I started. I think they were doing about 13 events a year. It's crazy growth, yeah. Yeah, which was great and it was fantastic, but um, they—I must have picked up something. I must have understood about table planning for you know in a restaurant but i learned something then maybe subconsciously because i knew about a lot of things and um but we had an amazing chef at that time johnny kidd who was still really good friends with he stayed with us all the time um and he taught me a lot about front of house and but he t- he taught me a couple of locks he'd had his own business so so yeah i think you just do learn as you go along you know you've just got to have Balls. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. And you've got to be to prepared to step out of your comfort zone. Barnaby's, um, he's a thinker. So he's the one that like will say, let's do this. And I think, okay, I, I can do that. And I'm probably, he, he calls me the tactician. So I'm the person that can do it all. Yeah. And he's, I can't think of the word he uses for himself. He's a thinker. I'm the doer. Fair. So, um, so yeah, we just. Ended up with a really good business. I do think that the success of somewhere like this is being grateful for every person that walks through your door, whether they buy a meal, a pint, put a party on, you know, being a big group, big group or come to two people, just being grateful for every single person and focusing on your business and not worrying about what other people are doing. You yeah, so get yeah, a lot of people do that, you know, and I say focus inwards focus inwards because nobody's competition they're not they're just all complementary businesses that add something to what you bring to the table you know like next door and further down and all the restaurants restaurants across from us it's fantastic because this area is busy and if people are eating next door they'll have a drink here if they're eating here they'll have a drink next door if they're eating across the road they'll drink you know so it's great for everyone i think I think I have a big city mentality in that way, just mm. that nobody's competition, nobody, there's enough people for everybody and it's about appreciating that and, you know, should all work together, me and what and work together. I
0: feel like a lot of people are too worried about the people, aren't they, and trying to either put them down or talk down on them rather than focusing on yourself, because you should all be rising up together, shouldn't you? You yeah. should be all helping each other in different ways that you can be and that builds your status and reputation, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: it does. You know, and if we can't fit people in, we'll suggest try next door, try over the road, try wherever, you know, you've got your favourites. I don't eat out loads. I am trying to a bit more, um, to support other businesses because people support me. But, um, I think, you know, you should recommend, and Carline's really lucky. It's got a lot of really good places to eat. It's been, you know, and they're all, In a close proximity. So there are, there's some really good places to go to. I think we're successful as well because we're quite, excuse me, we're quite innovative. So I try and bring things from bigger cities into Carlisle and, you know, just think ahead of the game all the time. And, and I've got a lot of friends who are in the industry, still in leagues. So, you know, you can kind of glean ideas from them as well. And, you know, like my friend, will say this is the next next big thing. Do this. You need to be doing this. I think last week she suggested that we did brunches. I, I was like that. I'm not sure that's going to go down set well in car yeah. just yet. It's a bit However, blind. Yeah. yeah. I will put it in my <laughs> box for later on. So anybody buy yes. anybody else got to be like that. <laughs> drag brunches yeah well we're doing the drag brunches
0: that's the only thing about carl isn't it he's just a bit behind in, in some cases like that in probably three years or so might be really good right? yeah,
1: yeah. Um, definitely but well, we've just started doing um the bottomless brunches and other people didn't do them mm-hmm. but i thought i need to do something a bit different to what they're doing because why do people want to come you know they want people yeah. to do something different can go there for that here for this so we just decided to do um so we have a live dj on we do it with, with tapas we don't do it with breakfast items and i only do premium cocktails and drinks so it's a bit more expensive they're around people love it they don't feel like they're getting cheap things they're getting value for money um they they love the atmosphere because there's a dj you know it's just something a bit different i don't do them every week so it's something that people can say but for and look Forward to doing you know,
0: and it's experience so isn't it but it's, yes. uh, it's people are paying a bit more they want that experience than like say you're giving that give the premium products from the top yeah. like that, Yes, yeah. cool,
1: and a lot of nice food goes out and sometimes can be a bit of a loss leader if they're really drinking under the, t- you know they're really <laughs> drinking fast people don't really they don't take liberties really you know they're pretty okay um but and then some people might not drink. As much as other people. So it's kind of balances out and stuff, you know, but it's great for people to be talking about the place. People were in here celebrating birthday parties in the brunch. I think there were two thirties, a fortieth, a sixtieth, you know, which is, it's quite a nice thing to do, but you just need to keep giving people something a bit different, you know, like, like, like the Halston next door. They've got their outside garden area. Fantastic. Yes, cool. Print yard as well. Great. You know, and, and it just gives a different dimension to people's experiences. They can go and experience something a little bit different. True. And I think that's what everyone wants to do. You don't just want it to be the same old, same old all the time, you know.
0: People are always looking for the next thing, especially these days. The world moves so fast, doesn't it? Yeah. So you constantly need to be adapted and evolving and improving, yeah. especially something like this. Whereas an experience, isn't it? Like <laughs> you want to go in and think, ah, oh, also sitting yeah. the weekend and earn yeah. and stuff like that, because you will tell your friends and that's yeah. next time they're out, they'll say, no, oh, I should go there for, I should go there for a pint. Yeah. Um, it's just cool. I was going to say, when you first took over then, what was your vision for it? What did you want to do? What kind of bar did you want to make it? Cause it was the first time. Yeah. Taking it over. I imagine it was a bit like, whoa.
1: Well, the the, 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 the building kind of lent itself because it's kind of very Spanishy. Cause when we, um, we bought it and stripped it down. and None of this was visible. So, um, all the tiles were covered up behind like tongue and grooving. So it was all exposed and I always felt it looked a bit Spanishy, this building. Fruits. So that's when we decided we'd do tapas. And, and, um, I just wanted to make it a really nice city center vibey bar with good food. Um, and I think we did, you know, in the first time we did achieve that, we did it all downstairs on one level because the kitchen was downstairs. And then, um, we used upstairs as a, um, as an event space. So we did private parties and things, but before we actually sold it, cause we did sell the whole thing in 2016, we had a fantastic buyer who came on board who wanted it. Didn't, I didn't really want to sell, but sometimes you can't. But yeah. It's has been better. I've been ignoring fecal. never <laughs> stops. Um, sometimes you can't ignore something that's so good that you, you know, you never get an opportunity to, to do again. Um, so we had been looking into maybe putting a kitchen upstairs and making upstairs into a steakhouse because we thought there was nowhere in Carlisle that had like a really good steakhouse. Mm-hmm. So have downstairs as tapas and a bar and then upstairs is a really nice steakhouse restaurant. Anyway, we were approached um to buy the business and the building and um in two thousand and six, well probably in two thousand and fifteen and we got a really good offer. So we sold that in we sold the whole place in two thousand and sixteen. business in the building. And we left under such good it was amazing, really. I'm sure that nobody in the history of running a restaurant has done this leave on a high, mm-hmm. return four years later, come back on a high. It's quite a surreal thing. And I, I, I think that's testimony to this city. Mm. I really do with it being a small city. I think, because people used to say to me, town's not the same without it, you've ruined my social life. <laughs> 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 I've, now getting personal, is We can't have it responsible. <laughs> <laughs> but people really missed the Andalusian, yeah. they really did. It was a sad day when we closed. I think we had 400 people here to a, to a, a closing party. I put a great big event on upstairs and downstairs. So really, because I think, you know, I really appreciated everybody who'd come in and made it what it was. You can have a great idea, but you're nothing without an amazing team of people working with you. I always say with me, not for me. Um And fantastic customers because you're nothing without them. So, um, so yeah, it was, then I was kind of thrown into this, what we going to do? What are we going gonna gonna to do? Yeah, do? What am I going to do? This was my baby. And what am I going to do? My husband has his horses. He's got some property. And I was just like, oh, I don't know what to So Barnaby actually being the, the, the thinker, he <laughs> found Tottergill Farm, Holiday Cottages, mm. And he said, let's go and look at it. And I was thinking, I'm from a big city. I've been dragged to a small city and now he want to be in the countryside. And it seemed such a long way out when we went to look at it and he fell in love with it straight away. Me being me just thought, I can do it. Mm-hmm. I can do holiday cottages. It can't be that difficult. You know, what's the worst thing that can go wrong? Um, so we, we had 10 cottage, well, we've got 10 holiday cottages. Mm-hmm. Um, and a farmhouse we have on site. And I think for Barnaby, if I'm really honest, it was because he really wanted to have a place where he could have all his horses and iron and stables. Selfish <laughs> <laughs> then. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and he probably just thought Tracy will do it. So um, I'll keep her busy. She'll be busy now. She'll, and yes, it did keep me busy and, but not the same as this kind of busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm a people person and I missed my people and holiday makers are fantastic and they come and they're around They're self-catering and show them in but that's it they don't really want to talk to you they just want in and they only want to talk to you if they've got a problem yeah. if they need any more toilet paper mm-hmm. and that's kind of you know so i've been like oh, morning you know you see the like, morning good oh, morning be off out and stuff yeah. so so yeah, so, but I mean, Tottergill's fantastic and it's an amazing place to live and we've got beautiful views and a lot of land and we have got all the horses there and we've got chickens and dogs and cats and we had pigs, although they've all died now. And you know, so it's, a, we've got an amazing lifestyle.
0: Really. really so what was it like then opening Tottergill? Was it, obviously you find it's a big, like, joke, isn't it?
1: From this to there. Really how, how did you find it? Um, Well, we bought it as a going concern, so I had to jump into the shoes of somebody else Here. um and try and do everything. They had very, very high standards, so I just had to learn what they did. And they were brilliant, actually, the people we bought it from, because they really kept in touch with us, helped us with anything we needed. That, yeah. And, yeah, so it was really good. It was just very different. It was a very different game. We realized quite early on you live in a goldfish bowl because you're right in the middle. And people can knock on your door at midnight or call you at any time to say there's a radiator leaked or there's a I don't know something's falling off or whatever going, yeah. something's gone wrong yeah and so you are in a goldfish bowl and you don't really have that privacy so that was quite hard to get used to you kind of had to learn to take yourself off places so I've got like a really lovely woods so it's really busy in summer. I'll just take the dogs and I'll go into the woods and sit and read a book, you know, so no one can get me. And I've got another, because I've got quite a lot of land and I've got another field where there's some water running, there's streams running by it. Relax. Yeah. And it's quite nice to just go and sit there and take yourself away. So that was hard because you had to teach yourself to get your own privacy really. And, um, So yeah, it's a tough business. It's not easy. It's not, um, it's, we've had a really tough rind with it. I think particularly now everybody has holiday cottages. So you've got to be at the top of your game. You've got to have everything five star. I think I'm now I've literally just done up every single cottage to my design and my standards, but you, it's a, it's constant. You finish one and then the first one that you did six years ago. He's doing that you know, yeah. sort of things, so.
0: Vicious cycle.
1: Yeah, it is. But it's, it's a nice place and it is a nice industry. You do meet nice people they are there on holiday. You In know. a good mood, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And you try and, um, you know, help them to have as good a holiday as possible. Oh, so. Yeah. Cool. So then how did this
0: come back around then? Say four years later, 2020, is it? Uh, t-
1: 2019. So we basically were looking at Doing something else. We kept thinking we want to go back into the industry. And I looked at other buildings and I just looked at Barnaby one day and I said, what oh, are do we doing? I said, every time I walk past that building, it's shouting at me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. So walk over to the other side of the, so I didn't look in. Hello. And I said, do you know what, Barnaby, what are we doing? <laughs> I know how to make this building work. I know how to make the money it needs. I know, I've, I just know, and we still luckily had quite a lot of things because Barnaby was desperate to get his horses in the bar. It was like making me sell stuff left, right and centre and we sold a lot of furniture, but there were certain iconic things like the cow wands here and across there and the big mirrors and and quite a bit of the furniture, actually, the chairs and stuff I'd managed to keep. Um, I had stuff in the panel table and stuff that were quite iconic to hear. Huh. So I said, potter, dearie, let's go in here so we asked to have a look at it and there was a company that really wanted to come in and i think we've just managed to pick them to the post and i said let's just go from it we had no idea how we were going to do it we had no idea how we were going to fund it we just knew we wanted to come back in mm. and i think once we signed the lease i got it open again and i think i did it in three weeks two days hired the staff uh Got all the accounts set back up again, had everything ready. And, and a, a guy that came to work for me, who was my bar manager at that time, Andre, had never seen anybody work so fast. He was like, you'll never be open. I said, you've got no idea what, who i Crazy woman. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was like, you're, you're mental. <laughs> Crazy. And he was, I think he was from, um, Ukraine or Poland or somewhere like yeah. that, you know, and I think to see a strong woman who just goes, we'll have this, this and this. And he had his own ideas on stuff and I'd say to him, you can have your ideas, but I will have the last say, Good. but we'll compromise, you know, and we'd, we'd be going through the book with Sue from Finesse about the glassware. And, uh, he, he just couldn't understand how, how I worked. And he was like, I like those. And I'd say, yeah, those are all right. We'll have those. Oh, I like those wine glasses. No, we're not having those. I don't like those. So I just like ordered everything and he'd see that. Oh my God. <laughs> and when we opened, he said, I just, even two days ago, didn't think that you would be ready. So, mm-hmm. said oh, I'd be ready. And you, I knew what I was doing. You would be ready. So it was a challenge to reopen. It really was, yeah. but we did it, you know, and we managed it. And, um, what was it likely to reopen it? Oh, just like we'd never not been here. It was fantastic. I have to say it was fantastic. Can you remember the day? Yes, very much had an opening party. It was lovely, everyone coming through the door. It reminded me of the first time we opened, you know, everyone coming in was, and it just feels, just feels like home. This building just feels like home, it always does, always did do, it's it's just one of those places. And we were very, very lucky because when Prezzo was in here, they um put in a great um, heating system they put in a huge, kitchen.
0: involved in the heating system in he? yes. <laughs> <Sorry, it's on. laughs>
1: um, they put in, and we've got aircon as well, um, they put in, um, the most amazing kitchen, huge upstairs, um, left a lot of furniture, tables and chairs. I just had to have those recovered the chairs and things that you can see around. Um, and we were very fortunate to kind of come into a building that had, Had done to it what we would have invariably, invariably liked to have done. Um, so he came into it and it was a much better building. So, um, we still just opened on one level because we didn't really have the staff to open on two levels and we didn't really know that that's what we could evolve to. Um, and it was fantastic, very busy. Christmas was very busy. January was great. And then obviously we got COVID. And so 12 weeks after we opened, we were shut down. And I thought, my God, what are we going to do? Most businesses, I haven't paid off my opening costs. I had no money in the bank because most businesses, you know... But 12 weeks in, yeah. Yeah, you, you just paid everything out, did you? It was all going out, all going out. I've only employed these people for 12 weeks. I will not let them down. What can I do? What can I do? And I know a lot of people just were letting people go left, right and centre. And we're closing and I held on right to the end and I didn't put I refused to close the doors. Um I refused to let anybody down and then they brought in the furlough scheme and I was like yeah. that's we're gonna set we're gonna be saved and we're gonna manage to look after everybody. So um it's a very funny thing because a friend of mine who lives in France had been to see her in the October Sorry for muffling. I think that's your podcast. you meant to be. I'd <laughs> seen her in the October and she said to me that there was something coming. And she couldn't tell me what it was, but it was going to affect the whole world. And it was very big. And
0: in the October this
1: was. This was in the, the October in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Just before I'd reopened the bar mm-hmm. and she said something huge is going to come and it's going to affect the world and it will change the world. And I was like, Okay. Okay. She's very spiritual and she had actually told me that in a previous life, she'd been an alien. I was a bit weird. (laughs) I was a bit like, that's fine, Penny, that's fine. When it hit.
0: You just think straight back to that moment. I
1: thought this is what she meant. And I phoned her up and I said, this is what you meant, Penny, isn't it? And she said, yep. And she said, and it's going to get worse. It isn't over. It is going to get worse. So. I said, oh, what is it? Survival of the fittest. She said, no, it's survival of those that can adapt. She so mm. said, you've got to think differently, Tracy, Then you've got to adapt. Right, okay, okay. Brilliant. And I just, as I had a week of both businesses closing, and I guess like everybody, you think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, uh, I'm responsible for people. I've got a lot of overheads. What on earth am I going to do? In that moment, when she said that to me, I thought, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do takeouts. I'm going to um rent the cottages to anybody who's stuck. Um, a lot of people were in between moving house, couldn't um go back to their own countries. So I had people in there, you know, at a much lesser rate than you do rent them out as holiday yes. cottages. But it kept things ticking over. And the takeaways here were fantastic. So my old chef, Johnny Kidd, came to live at Tottergill with us My bar, um, then my bar manager, Rory, came up to Totterkill to live with us. My friend Andrea, who was, she came up, she got COVID. She came up to live with us because she was on her own. And so we had five of us up there and five of us did the takeouts initially. And, um, and that kept us, that kept us going here. So, and then we opened when you're allowed to open outside, we built an outside garden area did Mm. that and we were allowed to open here inside but the rule of six and two meters and all Uh, that malarkey
0: seems like so long ago now doesn't
1: it and you know what it was the best thing for us because we made all upstairs restaurant and all downstairs bar Mm. and it was the best thing that could have happened because we doubled our capacity of everything i'm sure for a lot of people that made them half the capacity because they had to have the two meter rule Yeah. so we doubled our capacity because we could get everybody downstairs drinking, everybody upstairs eating. So that really did help us.
0: Because you had them open upstairs. You had uh, your nurse.
1: So I opened that as we were re- allowed to reopen. And so that made a massive difference to everything. And um, so, yeah, there have been good things that come out of COVID. And mm. all the, 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 the grants that we got helped me pay off all my opening debts and keep us... Have, you know, keep everything that floats and, sure. which is good to see.
0: Yeah, like I say, like your friend was saying need to adapt and think differently you know, otherwise, or oh, what would you have done? Like yeah. that's, I mean, I suppose there's two kinds of people one person that maybe sit there and complain and be like oh, this isn't fair, or one person that will just say, oh right, give me this isn't this, and this. Well, try it. it, Yeah, move on to the next thing
1: It's like even with the, you know the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis people talk about it so much There's nothing you can do. You have to roll with it. It won't be like this forever. And I very much like that. You know, wages are about to go up. Once wages go up, we can put our prices up, which will then help us with all the energy bills and things that are going up for us. And it'll level out again. And I just don't understand why people go into panic. It's a bit harder. It's a bit harder. But you've got to maybe try a bit harder. Or, you know, people... People are not not coming out. This has never been so busy. People are still coming out. You've got not to be unrealistic. Don't don't outprice yourself. Don't, you know, take a bit less profit. Don't be mm. greedy. And I think that's how you ride the wave. And that's what I've been doing. And we're the busiest, well, I can't say that on film, but we are <laughs> very busy in town. Yes. And often the late, last open, And you know, we're always mm-hmm. rammed at weekends and, Everything's going really good. And January and February, we've never had a quiet Saturday, never had a quiet weekend. So you've just got to ride it out and, and
0: mm-hmm. adapt. How, how do you think the night life sees involved then since you first and over to the Cause I'd imagine things have changed quite a lot. Things have even changed over the last few years.
1: Yeah. Coming back to it. So having, you know, we would be open here till three in the morning, not finish, get home sometimes four or five in the morning. I'd crawls home <laughs> dying um, and it's changed a lot f- from COVID where people are going out earlier because we had that curfew time where you mm-hmm. had to clear no, yeah. yeah I feel like that. get it yeah.
0: yeah. was it like 10 or 11
1: o'clock was it 10 o'clock initially yeah and you were like copy <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, so it has there's been a shift so normally for us on a Saturday night now it's one, half past one, you're done. And, you know, there's the odd time. I mean, on Friday when we had a big party, I think everyone kind of left by four o'clock in the morning. So there are certain exceptions, you know, if you've got something big going on. But people are drinking earlier, coming out earlier, and going home earlier. So, you you know, that's been the pattern. I would say apart from that, people's eating habits and things have gone back to normal. People are still coming out. People are still meeting friends for drinks and, celebrating things. So yeah. it's, for this interest industry is pretty good.
0: Yeah. And what would you say, you say the best way you've marketed this then, just out of interest, how, how would you say when you first go about the second time to October, what would you say best way in from your experience that you've marketed it to get out to people and get people to come in?
1: I think, um, social media has changed so much since we were first about, mm. um, and it's so more widely used you know there's something many influences and people who are constantly promoting and helping to promote businesses um so I do a lot of social media as you know and um word of mouth
0: um, yeah I imagine that's a huge or isn't it like if if I go to my friends' hobbyes oh, shows and solutions we that's way more powerful than the social media, though, isn't yeah. it? Seeing see like a post in a video. Yeah. And I think and people forget that, don't they? Like a picture on the stories. Yeah. It? That's so valuable.
1: And then I always share, I always say to people, you know, if I'm serving food and I'll say to you know, a group of girls, that's how it looks amazing. I'll say, will you do me a favour? Will you um, take a picture and tag us in on Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook? And they always do. The brunches are great because, you know, when as I put the food out, I'll say, don't forget to tag us, you yeah. know, and they love that. And, and. So I do think that's, I don't really advertise anywhere else because I don't need to. Um, I don't think this is the kind of business where you would data capture and email out. Yeah. I think our audience wouldn't want us to be like, Hi. Oh, it's stumped, Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's not the right thing to do. Um, but we do kind of, you know, like table talkers out and things so people can see if there's an event or, We've just got a lot of followers, you yeah. know, and ask people, I've can asked people to follow and, and to share posts and things, you yeah. but... I think that's one thing that people forget. They'll say, like,
0: if the girls are putting the bridge on and they'll put a story on, you're reaching their thousand followers. aren't they? If somebody else is, it reaches another thousand pounds and stuff like that. And it just spreads like wildfire. And these days, I think that people want to be seen as cool, don't they? So if they yeah. see one of their people they follow Andalusia, and Oh, and each other but respect for Dexter yeah. and stuff like that. And it yeah. just snowballs. It's crazy.
1: Well, all the young ones say to me, we're the place to go, you know. We keep getting told we the place to go. And I'm like, good. That's good. Yeah. That's really nice, you know. I think it is
0: though, because there's been places over the years they just keep on closing down, don't they? And this is the one place that different ages go as well, don't they?
1: Very different ages. You know, I get all kinds of people from young to older couples coming in or older groups, groups of guys, groups of girls. People can be eating upstairs, One kind of crowd downstairs it's bouncing with another crowd of people True. and um I do think it's important to be in your business as well I mean I've got Tash who is my general manager she's like a mini me she can do it all perfectly well she's fantastic and I can not be here and know that it'll run beautifully True. and trust her impl- implicitly with everything but people like to see you they want you in here Yeah. I mean I was cooking on Mother's Day I was in the kitchen with the kitchen crew and I do that quite a bit because it's good to be in the kitchen and know what, what's going on in there as well. Mm-hmm. I'll come down in an apron and I'll say, we'll say, that was so delicious. I'm like, there's <laughs> nothing to do that I was in the kitchen at all, you know, but they like that and they want you to talk to them. And, and I do think you, you must, you should be in your business. Um, I think a lot of business owners aren't present in their business
0: a group or-
1: and therefore they don't see if things are slicking. I mean, I see everything. If there's anything out of place, anything where it shouldn't be, anything not right, anything. For instance, I came for lunch with a few friends on Saturday. I wasn't working. And the um, the um menus I was handed were dirty.
0: Oh, that's a rookie error. I
1: was like that. They were was so sorry. And I said... They thought they would have checked before I to you. <laughs> to me especially. But I'm glad they did because... They haven't been wiped out and all they, all they needed to, they just were sticky and then people might spill drinks on them or something, you know, but they weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. So, and I was like, me, (laughs) all other people, what I was trying to say to like my restaurant manager, I said, that's the first impression of us and our food. So you are saying to them, we have a dirty menu. It's not perfect. And and they look at it. I would have looked at that in any other restaurant and gone,
0: Wound. That's true, though. Actually, the way you say it like that it is true when you
1: open your like oh, it in the hearts. It And I've not sprinted, so if, if they get tatty, they go in the bin and start again. Okay, they just had not been wiped up from the night before. Mm. That was their error. So you know, um, he went away, wiped them all down. How to with you I'm really sorry. Yeah. But it, if you don't pull them up on that, they don't see that themselves. You yeah. know, they've got to see it themselves and I understand. Yeah, and understand why. I always say to everyone, I work with them as a team and I always try and explain to them why you shouldn't do something or put yourself in your, in your shoes, what you would accept. Mm. You know, do you think that's okay to go out? Do you think that's acceptable? If that got put to your table, do you be happy with that? Mm. You wouldn't. And why do you think it's okay to go to my table in my restaurant like that? Mm. We get your point.
0: Yeah. I suppose it's important, isn't it? If you said to them, don't give me a dirty menu and they got you a clean one they wouldn't understand why would they no. explain that they remember it and then yeah. tell other people as to yeah managing people is one of the hardest things to do isn't it most complex
1: yeah and yet you are managing all different personalities and you've got to play to the strengths and you've got to know their weaknesses so if they're weak in one part leave that part to someone else who's got strengths in that part and you know just play to people's strengths and what they can and can't do and they are people are hard to manage but I am so lucky. I have the most magical team. They are brilliant. We all get on. True. Um, we're all friends. I mean, quite young as well. And they all hang out together as friends. They love their job. They love working here. They love what they do. I try, try in, like we're going tomorrow wine tasting um, no. with uh, uh, Natasha and Sam, so restaurant manager and general manager. They drink wine, I don't drink wine, so they'll taste it like all. You know, we have great staff parties. um and putting those who want to be put through their um, license. They can, you know, get their the license the and stuff. stuff and yeah. Things you've just got to keep helping them develop as people, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I get very um, few people leave me. I don't have a big turnover of staff, yeah. which is nice. Because people always say, "How oh, are you finding staff? Stay po Fine. Yeah. They don't leave. They don't leave. I do remember someone saying to me, why are you working? If you've got a staff shortage, I say, I like it. I like serving I like carrying your plates out. I don't want to walk around here like her in the place and sit at the bar with a glass of champagne.
0: She's not, not relatable, me. is it? Yeah.
1: It's not me. It's not me. I want to be part of it. You know, yeah. I always say, wrote to me on. I say, Tash, wrote to me on because I'm not coming in and being bored. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just it's give like, me something to do, with
1: get to do. You know,
0: and then the last thing I'll ask what's it like with the live singer because the live singer is always on in the air. does does that have like a big impact on the whole experience because I know when I go out and nights like, so out other people they always say oh, I've already to go ventilation they've got a live singer on in the because it does it heightens everything doesn't it it makes everything a lot better so how does that impact a night when you've got one of them on
1: really very much so it um and we used to just do it Fridays but we do Fridays and Saturdays now because people want to come in they want to interact they want to get up and have a dance they want to listen to someone play and sing and and they can it's always at that side of the uh so if you want to just listen to it but not be right in it you can be this side so you can hear it but you know it just really brings people in and we've got some really good local people i always like to use local people so some really good local people who come and do acoustic sets and um it just does bring a great crowd of people in and people, if they've got a following come in, you know, so they'll advertise themselves and say, Oh, just got a new guy, um, who's started Jake Scott and he's fantastic. And when he first came to play, he was like, didn't realize it'd be this busy, <laughs> you know, and, but he loves it. And, and I was, I think I was out that night, but I kept up. <laughs> well, he, he must have played for an extra half an hour. Yeah. Did actually, he charge you for that? No, but I actually did give him some oh, money I mean, because <laughs> that's what you should do. I was very grateful, but <laughs> sweating and then, you know, sweating at the back. I haven't gotten anything I else. No. I said, played something you've already played. It's,
0: it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, that's
1: you know, but it does, it makes a big difference. And yeah, it does. once people, you do find that once the singer's gone, quite a few people do disappear. Because mm. they'd come, as, you know, specifically for that, but then you get a lot of movement between the bars and stuff, and we do stay busy, so. Mm. But it does, it's fantastic, fantastic, sorry. I'm trying and have them on, like, um bank holiday Sundays and stuff as well, you know, just to, just for people to come in and do something, so they know. Who's- it's
0: a focal point, isn't it, place, yeah. you can just go there and secretly just have a music on because then could will have music on. Yeah. you've got the singer, people go over, sing along, dance, yeah. and all that kind of stuff.
1: Definitely.
0: So what, what would you say is next extent for here and Tottergill? Any plans so, anything there in the pipeline?
1: Nothing specifically in the pipeline for here. I think we've been... Oh, well, we have just got a new chef mm. um who's joined our team. He is the ex-head chef from Pancho's. Oh, so that's been causing absolute stir. Mm. And people are begging for enchilada suezers. I'd never had them enchilada suezers. Um chimichanga De carne and things like that so we've had such a great response to him and he's great what a lovely guy to work with and he trained under johnny kid our old ex-chef head chef and um, in a couple of places and he's in a he's just a really good all round team player so um we're introducing some of his dishes which is good we've introduced sharing boards in on sundays which go down really really well so that you can get a roast on a board with all different kinds of meats and all your vegetables and stuff like that. Um, nothing else that I can think of at the minute mm. in here, or that I'd tell you because everyone will copy. <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: well, yeah, here first the drag,
1: <laughs> the, the, drag nut. the drag breakfast <laughs> are not going to work. Um, but no, I think everything, you know, just keeping it. Um, mm. but just trying to stay fresh and innovative. Um. Maybe I'll probably end up changing upstairs a bit, doing a few bits and pieces. Um, or oh, Tottergill at Tottergill. Um, we are always kind of trying to make things look better. We've put a couple of lodges up there. We've got planning permission to put four more dwellings across one of the fields. So we're just looking at different designs. I want to put something quite different there. Um, cause we've got cottages and we've got a couple of lodges. I want to put something that's quite unusual, very eco-friendly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're just looking at something there. We also would like to put a tree house in the woods. Oh. That would be really good. Yeah. yeah. So we've got plans for up there and, um, you know, just keeping on top of that. While the marketplace, I think, is saturated for holiday cottages, I think if you offer something different, again, just hold on tight because business, business is going to come back once people start understanding that nothing's changing, that don't need to panic. Social media and the news are telling everybody, cost of living crisis. you're not going to have any money to spend. People are realising, oh, we have got money to spend, we're okay. okay. Um, I think people will start wanting to go on holiday again and, and in the UK, and just offering people something a bit different and a bit quirky, you know, and okay. trying to um, think out of the box again in that respect and using the land better there because we've got a lot of land and we don't, Probably don't use it as well as we should do. So, so yeah, and I'm going to bring back ladies at lunch. I'm going to launch yeah, that'd be exciting. this year as well. And, um, yeah, and work with another friend here. Mm. We're going to do that together. So that will, I think that'll be powerful. In the yeah. Theater. I think so. Uh, really nice. And it's not about women in business. It's more about it's what men and women do network differently. And it's a nice mm-hmm. thing to have women to just network what, what i found when i was a director and i would maybe take one of the designers with me to an event and pe- the, the man would talk to the the designer mm. who was a designer and then um kind of dismiss me a little bit and then they'd say oh what do you do and i'd be like i'm the sales director and then they'd switch to oh i've got this role you know and so men go hello i'm adam and uh, <laughs> this is what i can do for you what can you do for me where's women go Oh, hi. I think next thing that's <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And they get to know each other and then they recommend because they've got to know you and like you So I think that's a quite a nice thing to do for women to kind of know each other and spread the love and, and, you know, knowledge between each and
0: I think especially around here as well, isn't there? I feel um, more women and even like your girls maybe wouldn't feel comfortable going to like a networking event, would they with, with legs and nicks and a bit more comfortable and safe and just. Having that, or maybe to share problems like, "Yeah, in this problem in business, what should I do?" or yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I think think that I'll I'll definitely.
1: Yeah, and it's important. It's important to share your knowledge and help other people. You know, I would help anybody in anything. When Morgan set up his bar, he was my um he was my bar manager years ago. Gave him lots of advice. Anybody wanting anything, I would always help them. Another friend has the Rolling Pub Co. Jason. You know, I help him. I always say, if you run out of anything, I'm here. Um, If you need anything, I'm here. And, and you know, it's what it's about. It's about working together, isn't it? And making sure you making looking after each other. And um
0: it's a good karma, isn't
1: it? It's really good karma. Good karma. I've, I've been like that all my life. I think even like shopping local. I always try and shop local. There's not a lot in Carlisle to shop. True. Wise, but you know, I buy a lot of clothes from Alice. Um, opposite the cathedral, Alice Fashion. Oh, yeah, yeah. She does some really nice clothes. Um, Anna, so I try and shop with her and, you know, bag from like the health food shop or I bought dresses from Carol Roberts because she's got some lovely stuff for weddings and you know, the races and stuff like that. And just, just buy local, share the love, you know, use yeah. local people. Support the definitely
0: so then we'll wrap up the podcast. Is there anything you want to plug, tell people where to follow you, where to come to Andalusian or Tottergill, social media handles, websites, yes.
1: location? So please come to the Andalusian. Continue to come to the Andalusian. We need you. Um You can follow us on Facebook and on um Instagram, just as the Andalusian, Bar and bistro, I think it is, Tottergill Farm. If you don't know of us and you just follow the Andalusian, Tottergill Farm um, is at Castle Carrick near Brampton. And we're on Instagram and Facebook as well, Uh just as Tottergill Farm. And if you've got any great ideas that you to share with me that you think I should be doing, <laughs> I'm very open to them. And, yeah, please keep coming because we're not seeing everybody and we're nothing without our customers.
0: Ooh. Did you already do Biggest Mistake or Biggest Regret? I'm not.
1: I don't have any, but i you said. So you asked me what my biggest yeah, mistake or regret was. Mm. I don't have any because I think I'm of that mindset that if you say something was a mistake or a regret, it kind of makes it like those years were worthless. You know, I was married before. Is that, a, was that a mistake? No. Was it regret? No. Fair. It was what it was. And if I were to say it was a regret, then I wasted seven years of my life with that. You know what I mean? With that person. And I'm not prepared to allow that to be seen as though those years by myself. So I think what you have to do is you have to say, I'm sure I do make mistakes, but the things that I can learn from. So, um, you know, there's, there's things that you just go, yeah, I wouldn't do that that way again. And I wouldn't do this, this way again. I don't think people should beat themselves up about things because, you have to make mistakes to learn in life, you know. Mm. Sometimes it's try try and learn from other people's mistakes.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: You know, and listen to what other people are trying to tell you. And, um, I think one, my only mistake that I ever make is I'm a big open book and there I accept people like that. Yeah. Sometimes you get your fingers burnt as I've found out a couple of times, but it shouldn't stop you from being you, you know, and. That's to do with other people, isn't it? That's to do with their personalities.
0: Um, like, yeah, exactly. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, no mistakes, no um, no um regrets, just life
0: events. Yeah. Events. I think it's a good mindset to have, isn't it? Like you say, you're not letting the past dwell and have a negative impact on yeah. the future, isn't it? And saying, oh, well, we'll do that again and, and that kind of thing.
1: The past doesn't equal the future. I always, I've always said that, you know just live for now always live for now Living a the moment my mother-in-law died um a year and a half ago and we said then we will say yes to everything we'll do everything we'll go everywhere and people always say to me oh you never here you're you here there and everywhere how do you do it but they don't see me at my computer till midnight or yeah, till whatever it. time and I do it because I want to live my life I'll work really hard I play harder because I don't want to kind of just be stuck working you know you need to be able to work also at yeah and really experience a lot of a lot of life as well so that's the thing people don't see the
0: behind the scenes do they
1: don't no. they, they don't, don't see, see you, you yeah on the you're on a saturday night dancing <laughs> they don't see me cleaning toilets or doing something changing beds mm. you know or working in the kitchen or mm. all those kind of things that's
0: the bit the people don't want to do do they? they just want to do the saturday night out yeah. shaking hands yeah. and talk to people
1: yeah and you can't you just can't do it. you've got to be you've got to do everything and you've got to be present and you've but you've got to live your life Yeah, and I live my life and I love my life so Her. that's important
0: I think that's a perfect way to end it so everyone if you're watching on YouTube make sure to subscribe to the podcast like the video leave a comment your favourite part any comments and questions for Tracy leave them in the comment section below if you listen on Spotify Apple make sure to follow the podcast and leave a five star review we'll see you next time bye 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 bye